Thanks for joining us here in Centralia, Illinois, where we are a community of people who are not perfect and don't pretend to be. Our hope and prayer is that through the following message, you are encouraged, blessed, and inspired to meet the Lord in a powerful way. All right, well, good morning. Welcome to Crossroads Church. Yes. And if you are a friend or a family member and your friend or family member hounded you, called you, bugged you, don't be mad at them. Be mad at Josh Crawl. No, I'm sorry. It was my fault. For the last month, I have been challenging them that they've got friends, and they definitely have family, and I asked them to invite you to uh, this day, and so I hope that you appreciate today. Uh, today is all about lifting up the name of Jesus, and we want you to know that uh, we love him, and we are proud of him, and uh, he has done some incredible things in our lives, and I look forward to being able to share that with you. So if uh, what I would encourage you today is if you have one of these handy, I would grab one out and, and look for the note taker. All right, I've already filled mine in. And so if you can get your hands on one of these note takers, I'm going to do things a little different than a normal Sunday here at Crossroads. And so uh, have that note taker if you, if you can. If you got one close by, um, there's pins uh, in the seats behind you, grab one of those out and, and feel free to fill it in as I go. But today I want to talk to you about a new series that I'm uh, preaching for the next uh, three weeks called Power Thoughts. And, um, and it's based off of Proverbs 23 and verse 7. And Proverbs 23 and verse 7 says these words, As he thinketh in his heart, so is he. Now, it's interesting that when we hear something like that in God's Word in the Bible, um, we recognize that, that that is powerful. There are uh, authors who've written books that sound like a similar topic to that. And the reality is that this statement is more powerful than we all realize. Because as we think in our heart, it really reveals who we are. Science has a fancy term for this, um, and they call it neuroplasticity. Neuroplasticity means this, that you can rewrite what's on your brain and in your brain. Now, I know some of you think you're hopeless, but the science has proven the science is in that we can literally rewrite our brains physically and functionally. It wasn't long ago that scientists thought that your brain stopped developing at about 12 to 13 years of age. And I'm sure there's some parents that said, yep, uh, you know what? That is, un I didn't need science to tell me that. But then science came along and rescued us as when we were children. And it says, well, your brain doesn't get fully developed until you're 25. All right, and, and so that's, that can be debated depending on um, who you are. And so the reality is this, that you can develop new, a new brain. And some of us need to. 
Here's how we develop a, a new brain. We learn what we repeat. All right? We learn what we repeat. And so today, I'm going to ask you, this is what's going to be different. I'm going to ask you to repeat the power thought that I'm going to present to you today many times throughout today. And, and here's, here's the secret. The more you respond, the faster the preacher goes. All right, that's the secret. Well, here's the reality. When it comes to the fact that your brain can be rewritten, there's a good and a bad to that. It's good because it can repair damage. Maybe you had a stroke. It's good because it can uh, repair an injury, traumatic brain injury. It's good because it gives us the ability to, if, if we had a birth anomaly through the years, for that to correct itself. But it's also bad because of this reason. Your brain doesn't know the difference between good information and bad information. And so from a functional perspective, it's good in that you can overcome depression. You can overcome anxiety. You can overcome a compulsive disorder that you might have. It's bad because if you go the other direction, you can entrench the depression. You can entrench the anxiety. You can entrench the compulsive disorder. The reality is we each have a choice. We get to choose, are we going to develop new neurons? Are we going to develop um, a new connection, synapses there in our brain? Or are we going to develop the new ones that tell us the same old story that we've been telling ourselves for the last 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years? So science calls it neuroplasticity. The Bible calls it fearfully and wonderfully made. If you've got your note taker, you turn to the back of it. Um, I put some Bible verses here that talk about this concept. And, and I always love it when I see science come out with something new and it has been in the Bible for thousands of years. Here's one of those. Romans 12, 2, it says, Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Uh, the Apostle Paul who wrote this back in the first century knew that you could rewrite what's on your brain. Philippians 4.8 says, finally, brothers, whatsoever is true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think on these things. And many times you've read that verse and you've wondered, well, I, you think about it for 30 seconds and then you spend the next 10 hours thinking about all the things that aren't wonderful, aren't true, aren't just. And you, and you ask yourself, well, God, why do I have to think about this? And you don't realize that you're entrenching the wrong thoughts. 2 Corinthians 10 says it this way. We destroy arguments in every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. And take every thought captive to obey Christ. Proverbs 4.23. Keep your heart. Anytime you see the word heart in the Old Testament, it means your mind. Keep your mind with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. Probably could get a couple amens if, if I mentioned that the things that we think about sometimes destroy us. And sometimes the things we think about lift us up out of the pit, out of despair. 
James 1, 8, and this is the brother of Jesus, he said it this way, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. And I will bet that most of us can identify with that double mind in that we want, we want to have a new outlook on life. We want to uh, develop a, a better way to approach life, and yet we find ourselves falling into the same old traps. We find ourselves falling into the same old patterns that we've lived before. And lastly, Ephesians 4 says it this way, put off your old self, which is corrupt through deceitful desires, and be renewed in the spirits of your minds. And so today, I want to show you how, using God's word, you can put off the old self and you can renew the spirit of your mind. Here's the power thought that I want to share with you, and I hope that you'll take this with you today, and it's simply this. God loves me unconditionally. Can you all say that? Man, that's easy, isn't it? And so um, here's what I want to do is I want to break down each one of those words. And so let me start off with God. Psalm 14.1 tells us this, that the fool hath said in his heart that there is no God. Now, um, I would guess that there are people even here today watching online that are at that point in their life where they question, where they wonder, is there really a God? There are some people who've gone beyond that, and because of something that didn't go right in their life, they determined that because of that, well, there is no God. This isn't Ronnie telling you this. This is God's word telling you that the fool says that there is no God. There are so many things out there that make it plain to us that there is a God. And here's what I want to tell you. He loves you unconditionally. Here's the problem. We struggle with how we relate to God. Because if we relate to God from an entitlement perspective, we are expecting God to be like a genie in a bottle and just to give us whatever we pray for. And if we, if we don't get it, then we just need to pray longer and harder and louder. And what that leads us to is an entitlement relationship with God. Then the other one is that we have a punishment relationship with God where everything that goes wrong in our life is the creator of the universe making it happen like he's taking us out to the woodshed. Now, i got to tell you, I've been taken out to the woodshed by God before. It hurts. But there's a lot of times where things happen in my life that God had nothing to do with it. And I hate to say this, Satan had nothing to do with it. It was this guy right here. I had everything to do with it. Well, let me share with you the next word in God loves me unconditionally. So what I would like to do is, uh, as we go through this, I want to emphasize, I don't think that's me. I want to emphasize each one of these words. All right, so I'm going to start back over, and and I'm going to do it first, and then I want you all to echo it to me. God, see how how I put that emphasis on God? All right, God loves me unconditionally. All right, so let me hear you guys do that. You guys are gifted. You are, you're good. I like this. You're a good crowd. 
All right, so now let's go to the second word, and we're going to say God loves me unconditionally. And when you do this, someone might get hurt here, but it's okay. We're in church, and, and I'll lay hands on you and heal you of that. Um, here's what I want you to do is I want you to say God loves, and I want you to give yourself a hug. Who needs a hug? You're about to give yourself one, all right? So everybody do this, okay? Um, everybody do this. Ready? God loves me unconditionally. Isn't that awesome? We are a hugging church, and if you don't get one coming in the door, I teach you how to give yourself one before the service is over. Yeah. Well, you know, this word love is a big deal. I think in the English language, we've done a disservice to this concept of love. Because here's the reality. Our lives are shaped by the people who love us, and our lives are shaped by the people who refuse to love us. See, my life was shaped by a mom who loved me. Man, she believed that I could do anything and everything. And you know what? That belief in me propelled me to try things when I was afraid. When I got older and I got married, I was in, my wife became that person who loved me and who believed in me and saw things in me. When I thought I couldn't get the promotion, she believed I could. When I thought that I couldn't pass the test, she was there to help me. Uh, hand, bring me up a uh, handheld and I'll, I'll go. But here's what's interesting about love. I think there's four types of love. One is fish love. If you are here today and you've got the technology with you, one of the things we do in version is we put the notes for the message in there. And so what I would encourage you is if you go on there, there is a link to um, a video about fish love that a rabbi put together. And here's, here's what's interesting. When he talked about fish love, um, fish love is this. Uh, matter of fact, this past week we went, we went fishing down in Florida. If you don't know this, uh, well, we were down in Florida this past week and went out deep sea fishing and we um, caught a lot of fish. And then later that night, not only did we catch fish, we ate some fish. Yeah. And the fish was good. Matter of fact, um, you know, you may have heard us at the table like, I love fish. But the truth of the matter is that's really not love. Because when you love fish, you consume it to make yourself feel better. When you love fish, um, it's all about what happens to you. There's another type of love, and that's if love. We, we see this a lot in relationships. If you do this, I'll love you. If you, and you fill in the blank, if you're nice to me, I'll love you. If you do what I tell you to do, I'll love you. If you listen to what I'm saying, I'll love you. And the reality is that that's not love. There's another kind of love called because love. Because love is this, where we tell somebody that we love them because they're pretty. We tell somebody we love them because of something that they've accomplished. We tell them that we love them because of something external about them. But the reality is that's not 
love. Certainly not the love that I'm talking about today. And then the fourth type of love is this, unconditional love. The even if love. That's the kind of love that God has for us. So if you think about it, um, let's give him a chance to bring that down. Let's do God loves and bring it back up. <laughs> let's do God loves me unconditionally, but this time let's put the emphasis on me. All right. And so God loves me unconditionally. Let me hear that. God loves me unconditionally. Yep. There's not a truer statement. See, God looks at us through the lens of love. Now, some of y'all know what I'm talking about. Some of y'all are in high school still, and you're in love. I heard a preacher say it this way. He goes, you don't fall in love, so you jump in love. And then you climb out. But here's what's incredible. God, the creator of the universe, loves me. See, he's looking at my potential, not my past. He's looking at what I could accomplish, not all the times that I've let him down. He's looking at me through the lens of love. And I'm here to tell you that not only is he looking at me through the lens of love, he's looking at you through the lens of love. And the question is this, are you going to let your past keep you from being loved by God? Are you going to let your past keep you from reaching your potential that God sees in you? Here's what happens. When we start thinking about God loves us unconditionally, we start adding a little phrase to this. Matter of fact, it's a question, and you'll see it right there on your note taker. And we ask ourselves this question, what's wrong with me? I didn't get picked First, for the teens, what's wrong with me? My wife left me. My husband left me. What's wrong with me? My child didn't go to college. What's wrong with me? And so we, we go through life, and when God shows us and God tells us and God reveals to us that he loves us unconditionally, we put an asterisk in there and we say, what's wrong with me instead? And here's what I would challenge you is, man, all of us have a what's wrong with me moment. All of us, matter of fact, I would bet that there are many people here this morning, definitely many watching online, that they are wondering what's wrong with them. And they're wondering, did God make a mistake? They're wondering, did God do something, or they're wondering, am I just that messed up? Am I just that bad? And so here's what I would challenge you, is every time you think about asking that question, what's wrong with me, instead of asking that question, declare this statement. My kids didn't make it into college. God loves me unconditionally. 
I didn't get the promotion at work. God still loves me unconditionally. I got bad news from the doctor this week. God loves me unconditionally. I lost somebody that I love. God loves me unconditionally. You see, one of the problems that we think about is that we believe that Jesus died on the cross because of religion. And I'm here to tell you that it had nothing to do with religion. Jesus certainly did not die so that we could be more religious. See, religion gives us rules and regulations. Religion tells us what we can and can't do. That's not why Jesus died on the cross for us. Jesus died on the cross so that we could have a relationship with him. And here's the powerful thing if you look at your note taker. Our relationships let us know that we can be close to him because he chose us. See, that's what happens when you love somebody, you choose them. Remember I talked about in high school, you fall in love. Matter of fact, I said it's love. What happens after you graduate from high school, you fall out of love, and all of those things that you thought were beautiful about that person all of a sudden become liabilities. You're like, my goodness, guys, you, why didn't you tell me her nose was that big? And they're like, we did. I don't even know what the ladies say. But the reality is this, that you have been chosen by the creator. You have been picked out. And what's crazy about the way that God loves us is God loves us unconditionally. Say that with me. And, then, and we're going to put the, the, the power on unconditionally. Now, you might get hurt again, all right? So we're going to say God loves me unconditionally all right everyone do it one time for me god loves me almost god one more time yeah, that's what i'm talking about thank you you see when god loves us unconditionally this is powerful for us people are going to stop loving you Moms and dads, someday there's going to be days, weeks, months, and years where your kids don't love you. Grandparents, I know that I don't, I don't want to believe this is true, but sooner or later they get older and they forget about grandma and grandpa. Matter of fact, um, there are times when husbands stop loving their wives. There are times when wives stop loving their husbands. There are times when parents stop loving their children. I know you're saying, say that ain't so, but the reality is, is that it is so. That's a true statement. So what do we do about this? We need to remember that it's not about who loves us. Because God loves me unconditionally. And so here's how the power thought works is... Um, you have to focus, if you want to rebuild your brain, if you want to develop the, the new neurons, you have to create new pathways. And the way that you do this is strong, frequent acti actions. Just like already this morning, many of you have said, God loves me unconditionally 20 times. Before I'm done, I hope we get to 50. 
I hope that each of you, before you go to bed tonight, you say that to yourself a hundred times. Because that is how you rewire your brain. Because the truth of the matter is, many of you in here today don't believe that God loves you unconditionally. You think that there's something that you've done that keeps God from loving you the way that I'm talking about. You convince yourself that this can't be true. Now, what I would encourage you is for, for the next seven days, say this as many times as humanly possible. Some of you may get a thousand God loves me unconditionally in before you go to bed tonight. That is the magic. That is where your brain starts getting rewired. That is where you start learning. So here, here's what we used to do. We used to, anyone in here ever use three by five cards where you'd write a little saying on there? And, and I would put it, when I, when I encountered this 10 years ago, I had three by five cards on my visor. I had them in the mirror on the bathroom. Um, I had them on the front of the refrigerator. Everywhere I turned, there was a three-by-five card, and it said, God loves me unconditionally. And then uh, what I would encourage you is use technology. Um, put it on your phone screen. Have that on there. God loves me unconditionally. Every time you pick up your phone, it says it right there. God loves me unconditionally. And, and if you really want to go crazy with this, set an alarm for every hour and title it, God Loves Me Unconditionally, and make it an obnoxious sounding alarm. And every hour, and it, so it doesn't have to be at like 10 o'clock. Make it, make it crazy, like 10.22. Nothing happens at 10.22, or 11.22, or 12.22. So pick some arbitrary number like that, and then have this bazonker alarm going off. And then when you look at it, matter of fact, if you're with people, they're going to like, what is that? And why did it go off? And you say, well, it went off because God loves me unconditionally. I learned this the hard way. Carrie and I, years ago, were doing a half marathon in Florida. And I had uh, come across this new program called Spotify. And I was too cheap to buy it, and so I got the free version and we started off on our run, and, and I decided to let Spotify play the music for me. Three hours later, I had heard Shake It Off, like every third song. Shake it off. For three hours. And by the end of that three hours, I loved Shake It Off. I knew Shake It Off. And here's what I want you to know, is that if you will say to yourself over and over and over again that God loves me unconditionally, maybe right now and in this moment, you, there's a little bit of doubt. But here's what I want you to know, is that you'll, if you'll rewrite those pathways on your brain. See, it doesn't matter if you believe it or not, it's true. The question is, what do we've got to do to get to the point where we believe this? Well, let me tell you my story. So it was in 2011, and each year I pick a word to focus on, and the word in 2011 was the word love. Then I came across this book, Power Thoughts, and this power thought was in there, God loves me 
unconditionally. And because of the word love, I said, that's going to be the power thought. And so I was saying this to myself. I had it on the three by five cards. I had it on my computer, on my phone, everywhere I went. Every time I thought about it, if my wife asked me, what's your power thought? God loves me unconditionally. I woke up in the morning saying to myself, God loves me unconditionally. I would lay down at night. And if I had a hard time getting to sleep, I would continually remind myself that God loves me unconditionally. And about a week into this, something happened. Something changed. And, and I don't know that it's that I started believing anymore that God loves me unconditionally because I was convinced when I started that God loves me unconditionally. But what I realized was after a week of doing this, of saturating myself, of rewriting the pathways on the, the gray matter, what I realized was that if God loves me unconditionally, then I should love other people unconditionally. And so I started praying for people. And there was this one young man, family member, that I started praying for. And I said, God, I said, if you want me to minister, and I said, have him reach out to me. Would it surprise you that three days later I got a call from him? said, hey, would you pick me up for church on Sunday? Anybody ever do one of those prayers? Where you ask God to do something and he shows up and you're like, oh, what do I do about this? So Sunday morning, me and my youngest son got in the car. And our church was five minutes from our house. He lived 25 minutes away. We drove. We picked him up. This young man was my sister's brother. He'd been drinking that night. You could smell it in the car. Matter of fact, when I picked him up, he literally fell into the car. And the whole time I'm driving, my younger son sitting in the back, and his eyeballs could see my eyeballs, and he's like, Dad. We were going to church at First Baptist O'Fallon. I got there late, like some of you today, and I had a park far, far away in the grass. So we're walking up, and it's, it's a good quarter-mile walk to get to the front of the building, and we're about 100 yards from the building, and, and I'm kind of having to carry him because he can't really walk that far. And I said, look, Eric, I said, if... If you don't want to do this, I said, I said, you know, we don't have to go in here. I was embarrassed at times. And he, and he turns around, puts his hands on my shoulders and looks me in the eyes. He goes, Ronnie, if I didn't want to come today, I wouldn't have called you. I go, all right. So we get in there and we sit on the back row. And I don't know what happened, but we squeezed in, and there was just a little bit of space. And in about five minutes, we had the road ourselves. <laughs> and while uh, this uh, they had much like uh, Jake, an intern, a, a new pastor, and he got up and and he started uh, uh, reading from the Bible, and 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 he wasn't using the King James version. And so Eric tells me, but when Eric told me, he told everybody, that ain't the Bible. I think the guy up there reading it heard. 1,600 people in here. It 
It was on our way home that day that Eric had not been in a good relationship with his dad, and his dad was in a hospital because of a surgery. I said, hey, want to go see your dad? And you could just, he was still, I don't know, pride, anger, and then he just broke. So I got on the phone with his dad, put it on speaker, handed it to Eric. Eric said, Dad, can I come see you? You see, God loved me unconditionally, not because I deserved it. God loved Eric unconditionally. God loved Eric's dad unconditionally. God loves you unconditionally. There's no requirements. Matter of fact, I would challenge you, uh, open up your Bibles to the book of 1 John. If you, if you came here this morning and you don't own a copy of God's Word, if you look in front of you, there's a Bible that looks just like this. And if you open the front of it, there's a little message there. And I would encourage you to read it. And it says that if you don't own a copy of God's Word, feel free to take this one. We want you to put your name in there and we want you to, to walk out of here with that Bible. Your Bible. If you've got one of those Bibles, it's page 1246. If you've got your own Bible, 1 John chapter 4, and I'm going to start reading in verse 16. It says these words, So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. See, there's a big statement there. Many of us know it. We have it up here in our heads. But sometimes we miss it here in our heart that God loves us just as we are. So we have come to know and to believe that God loves the, God, the love that God has for us. God is love. Whoever abides in love abides in God. God abides in him. By this is love perfected so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment. Verse 19, we love because he first loved us. I would be shocked to find out that there aren't couples here that one of the, either the husband or the wife, the girlfriend or the boyfriend fell in love first. And, and it was the love that they poured out on that person that changed their heart. This is no different. I'm here to tell you, the Bible tells us in John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And I want you to know that God loves you. He loved you so much he died for you. If you've got your note takers at the bottom, there's two statements that I want to close with. And the first one is this, it's there is nothing that you can do that will make God love you more. You see, that's the trap we fall into when it comes to religion. We, we try to do more, we try to impress God, and there is nothing that you can do that impresses God. Paul, probably one of the, the most religious people of his day, he said, the best I can do is as filthy rags before God. 
I don't know where you're at in the scale between Paul and, and the worst person on earth. But I'm, I'm here to tell you that the best that we can do, if showing up for church, carrying a Bible, dressing a certain way, not using certain words, none of that is going to make God love you anymore. And the second statement is this. There is nothing that you have done or will do that makes God love you any less. God picked the value of you. He decided what he'd pay for you. And it cost him Jesus. It cost him his son. But he did it. Why? Because God loves you unconditionally. Worship team, if you'll come up. I'm going to close in prayer here, and then we're going to sing one song, and then we're going to head outside. In the seats in front of you, there's an orange card there called a decision card. And here's what I would encourage you. Today, if you have never established a relationship with Jesus Christ, if you've never made that decision, don't leave here without doing that. All you've got to do is pull one of those out, fill it out. That'll get back to me. I'll be here the rest of the day. I hope that nobody walked in here wondering if God loves them and walks out with the same. I'm here to tell you that God loves you. And God loves you unconditionally. Here's what's crazy and and maybe this is why we have a hard time understanding this is that when God looks at us after we've asked Jesus Christ into our heart he no longer sees the the scoundrel the sinner the guy with so many faults and flaws all he can see is his son Jesus standing in front of me when God looks down at you is he seeing Jesus not because of what you've done but because of what you've accepted. That's the question we all have. If you would, stand to your feet as I pray. And then sing from your heart the words to the song, Child of Love. Because you know what? Every one of us can and should be a child of love. God, I thank you so much for today. Lord, I thank you for all the friends and family who have honored their relatives, who've honored their friends and, and showed up today. God, I pray that you would just bless the time that's in front of us, the fellowship. I pray that there's many laughs. I pray that there's a lot of running and just many memories that are going to be made. But God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would just touch anyone here that needs to hear this message, God loves me unconditionally. God, that you would just reach down and you would show them you have done everything possible. Lord, we love you, we praise you, and we look forward to what you have in store. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. 
As a church, it's our honor to play a small part in all that God is doing in and through your life, and we would love to continue with you on that journey. You see, it's our mission to lead people to become fully devoted followers of Christ who walk by faith and not by sight.